If talking about new travel destinations or discovering the latest travel gadgets gets your heart racing just like mine, well then, you are in the right place. Hello there, I'm Katrina Rountree and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Come, our podcast about the wonders of travel, a place where we share memories from recent trips and we dream about upcoming adventures. So get your passports ready and join me for Journeys to Come. Hello there, I'm Katrina Roundtree. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this little chat, to this podcast. I sort of feel the need to almost apologise to you sometimes about the quality of uh, the recording of my podcast. As you can imagine, I generally do my podcasts on the road whilst I'm travelling in the middle of nowhere, in the most random situations, because I have this absolute faith that if I find somebody's story interesting, then maybe you will too. And I just really want to to share other people's stories. And I listen to other people's podcasts and they always sound so perfect. You never hear a dog barking in the background or a plane taking off. And for me, They are really perfect in regards to the quality of the recording. I am generally in an airport, in a field, uh, in the most random situation. I tend to just grab my phone. When I find someone really interesting, I just grab my phone and I I use the voice memo section of my phone and we just chat. Uh, I hope it's okay. I hope you can bear with me. But the stories of the people that I get to meet are so worth sharing with others. And that is definitely the case for this next chat. This is a lady called Debbie Hawkins. And I found myself recently sitting in a tiny airport waiting for the weather to pass to board a small plane to go to the Arctic Circle, as you do. And in walked this woman. She she sort of looked around about my mum's age and she was dropped off at the airport by the most stunning blonde, this gorgeous girl who was wearing her pyjamas. And she gave her a big hug and and. I now know, kissed her mum goodbye and I was fascinated by this woman sitting there on her own and she was waiting for a small plane to take her to a truly remote community uh, somewhere in the middle of nowhere of Alaska and I I couldn't help but, but have a chat and ask her her story and it turns out that she's a special education teacher and she really just wants to to share her time and her skill with others. So I thought I thought I'm just gonna pull my phone out and and let's have a chat. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Debbie Hawkins. What's the name of this airport? This is Warblows. Where are you flying to today? Rampart. Why? To work with the staff at the school. I am the special ed teacher assigned to that building. Mm-hmm. I live in Fairbanks and um, I go out once a quarter, but hopefully I'll get to go more mm-hmm. and work with the special ed kids in that site. So we're here because we're doing a story on traveling to the Arctic Circle, which mm-hmm. for a lot of people is on their bucket list. And it seems like a, a dreamy, almost unimaginable place. What is this area like? Can you paint a picture of where you're going to? Well, I have not been to Rampart, and Rampart's only a half hour from Fairbanks, so um, I think the scenery is going to be more like Fairbanks. I think there'll be trees. Um, going up to the Arctic Circle, I 
did my first teaching job in Point Hope, and there are no trees. And so um, further north, you're not going to have that. And it's very flat um, in Point Hope. So I guess my reference point would be the places that I've been. But there are schools there. There are communities here. Absolutely. Um, I believe that the state, the state has a cutoff of 10 students so that you have a local school. You're hoping to have at least 10 students enrolled um, so that you can keep the school open. Why would they want to live in such remote regions? Oh my gosh, it's home. It's home. They love it there. And as a parent, I would want to stay in my home and I mm. want my school-aged children to be close by. Um, so the idea of sending them to another school, it's not their wish. Um, there are residential schools in Alaska, and when kids are older, um, they have that option to send their kids to Galena, Ninana, Manichkum. So there are three different residential schools that they can go to, and, and there are definitely more offerings, um, bigger staff. So what's it like for a teacher arriving in one of these communities? Um, it might be a little bit of a culture shock. Typically, I think teachers get together and go out for dinner, go to restaurants, go to movies, and that is not available unless you create your own entertainment. Um, there aren't movie theaters in these areas. Um, what, what do they do for entertainment? I think they become very close-knit as a group. Um, and there's certainly things to do outside, you know, um, different than you would think of in a city. Um, I think, you know, the teachers that I have worked with over the last... 13 years of traveling to remote spots, um, you, you connect, you connect to your roommates, you connect to the community, ideally, and you're involved in hunting and fishing and um, the great outdoors. Absolutely. Absolutely. What is it like for, for children, for these students? What are their lives like? I think their lives are ideal for them because it's home and it's family and it's not even not just your immediate family but your extended family you've got everyone around you um, I think I think it's as family as it is for you and me in the city mm. the individuals that live out there how do they earn their money how do they survive um, you know every site is different but there are established jobs such as an agent for the airline um, the school hopefully um, has positions, and I would think that um, hiring local would be um, very important to the school and to the community. Um, you How do they handle the cold? Oh, they dress for it. <laughs> <laughs> Only an Australian would ask that question. Apparently, they figured it out. They've been here a long time. <laughs> Before Christopher Columbus. They've been here a long time and okay. they have figured that out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they can and teach us some lessons on that, I'm sure. So, so you are working with, with native communities predominantly? Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and can you share with us what those, what the natives are like? I think they're as friendly and as loving and as caring as mm. any culture. Mm. Yeah. What can we learn from their culture? You know, I think... Uh, everybody's going to walk into the situation in hopes of learning something maybe different. Um, I think patience is one thing. Um, I tend to come from city and I'm in a hurry and get things done and I really do have to slow myself down and that's not to say that they're slow moving 
But I think we all have priorities in a different light. And when I'm flying in, I know what I need to do, and I tend maybe to go too fast through those things. Um, so I can certainly take a lesson and, and take a deep breath and gauge the time frame that I'm working with and appreciate it. Was that your daughter that dropped you off at it the airport? She mm-hmm. she looked very beautiful. I hope that's okay <laughs> for me. That we got her um, right out of bed. <laughs> I, I just like to say that when I was in the waiting room of the airport, what's your daughter's name? Kinley. Kinley, mm-hmm. and I haven't asked your name yet. Sorry, I'm Katrina. What's your What was Debbie. your name? Debbie. Mm-hmm. Hi, nice to meet you, Debbie. Thank you. Um, when Kinley walked in, she's a stunning blonde. She is, and she's in her pajamas <laughs> <laughs> because she walked into the house and um, she's in um, transit as far as moving into a new place and and uh, she walked in the house and she said you're leaving and I said yes I am and she said how are you getting there and I said well I think I'm going to take the truck and just leave it in the parking lot and then your dad's going to pick it up later on with his bicycle and she said why don't I just drop it yeah is it okay if I look this way and I said absolutely (laughs) (laughs) and then there's a group of people yeah yeah. we're we're all in the waiting room and everyone just stops silent stunning blonde just comes in and with her pajamas but gave you the biggest cuddle it was really gorgeous and that's that's why I wanted to talk to you because I was Mm. curious about what's going on here so I'm sorry I'm I'm asked too many questions (laughs) but what does your daughter think of your life you know what I retired and I took a year off last year and I just I told myself I'm just quilting that's all I'm doing and that's exactly what I did and I just sat at my sewing machine and my husband would come in and it's like, crud, I need to make dinner. Shoot. <laughs> but um, I think that uh, Kinley feels like I have something to offer and maybe I shouldn't stop working. So I think she's thrilled that I'm doing this. Right. It's, a, it's kind of a continuation of what I was doing for the last 13 uh, traveling around the state and working with different people. And so now you really are a mentor to other young teachers who want to connect and help with these communities? Well, for 13 years I was a mentor with the state and the university system where I went in and worked with teachers new to the profession in their first or second year. This contract's a little different. I'm contracting with this district to go out and be the teacher of record for special ed. What sort of changes have you seen amongst those those children that you've been able to reach out to? Oh, it's phenomenal, and I think that's why we have teachers, and that's why they stay in the profession. Um, you know, when you see that little light bulb go off, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. And to yeah, know that you're helping them. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you and I had that in school. Mm. Um, and we kind of take it for granted, I think, that we did have that growing up. And when you're in a rural site, and the teachers do change often because it's not home um, as we know it. And so they may be there a year or two and then they're gone. Um, Gosh, is that all? Right. Yeah. So, you know, that turnover is not the best for students. Um, but I have to say I've worked with very dedicated teachers who want to do their best. Um, you don't walk in with your timetable and with, you know what I'm saying, you have goals, but you, you adjust because um, you need to respect their lifestyle and where they're at and move them forward. Do you ever get worried about the places that you go to? or I mean, we're sitting at an airport for you to be dropped off mm-hmm. to go to work in a remote community where there's nine students right. I um, I do my homework before I go so the principal knows I'm coming the agent knows I'm landing um, 
I have gone to some sites where it's 20 below, and I'm thinking, please let someone be there because I don't want to walk <laughs> a half a mile to the school. <laughs> yeah, um, but we're pretty well taken care of. I, I think that's um, Alaskans. It's it's people in general. We take care of each other. As a traveler, what do you always pack? Uh, extra food. Oh, right. Okay. Extra food. So. Um, I definitely, right now, I'm not dressed as warm um, as I normally would, but I I'm sitting here in thermals, <laughs> beanie. This is pathetic. You're sitting there with a beautiful shirt and cardi on. Um, I've been caught a couple times where I was not dressed correctly, or I put my hat and my gloves and my neck warmer in a bag that didn't get put on the plane. Uh, this has happened. Yeah. Um, but you know what? You get to the site, and you're not frozen, and people take care of you, so... Yeah. Have faith. Absolutely. Wow. Well, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Good luck with your flight and, <laughs> and the adventure that awaits. Thank you. You as well. Thank you so much for joining me. Don't forget, if you have any questions that you may like to ask me in regards to travel, or anything at all for that matter, feel free. Fire away. I really wanted you to meet Carol Dooley of Ketchikan in Alaska. She is a force to be reckoned with. I, I only had a, a few moments of her time. She organised for us to go fishing on uh, one of her charter tours. This woman is so busy, she runs the town, and her father was basically one of the pioneers of tourism, not only in Ketchikan, but really in Alaska, where today tens of thousands of particularly cruising tourists pour into these tiny little towns and have an absolute ball. Meet Carol. This is your business. How did you get into all of this? My parents before me. They were wonderful people who had an opportunity to enter into tourism in the early days back in the 1970s. And so my father uh, recognized the uh, economic benefit of the cruise lines and spent his own money to call on them and ask them to come to the port of Ketchikan. They said they needed tours and things to do. So he worked with the local people to organize the first flight scene tours, the first uh, harbor tours, boat tours. My mother found a handful of charter operators at the gangway of the ships and she organized them into what uh, the business is today. We accommodate over 4,000 people a year for salmon fishing. That's amazing. Yeah, cut to today. How many thousands do you get in, well, I suppose annually, from these incredible cruise ships? Uh, about 4,000. Each year, uh, that, right. that we do. The overall market, we hit a million last year. Whoa! So there's uh, over a million cruise passengers that stop in the port of Ketchikan today. A lot of people would like a slice of that market. What is the key to success with looking after the cruise market? Tenacity. <laughs> It's not an easy game. <laughs> I can tell. You are no, on fire. Not an easy game. We work hard. We love what we do. We're not millionaires, but we have a lot of fun. How seasonal is it? Uh, May to September. Five months. Right. Yep. That's all we get. We've got to make all our money in five short months. And you power. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We've mm -hmm. got to power through it, definitely. And tell me, I hear that Ketchikan is the salmon capital of the world. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. We used to can more salmon, catch and can more salmon here in the Ketchikan area than any place else in the world. Today, it's considered more the sport fishing capital of the world. We have the largest charter boat fleets and troll fleets here. If you want to go fishing, uh, Ketchikan is definitely one of the best places to look. And then if you're going to eat fish, most of the uh, salmon that you have in high-end restaurants is coming from these waters 
waters in this area right here. I know that the other edge for this area is also the First Nation community. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, the local natives. Uh, Ketchikan has uh, the largest native population in the, in the state. Uh, we also have the largest collection of totem poles in the state, uh, collected at Saxman Native Village and the Totem Heritage Center. A couple of fantastic venues if you're interested in uh, learning more about the local native cultures. We have Clinkets, we have Haidas, we have Simpsons. We have the only native reservation in the state. You're going to go right by it this morning on the boats called Metlakatla. Mm -hmm. uh, so Ketchikan is a, a unique place and uniquely positioned for native culture and arts for sure. <clears throat> Tell me, why are there so many totem poles? Uh, because we have the largest native population. Because okay. <laughs> we have a lot of artists here. Ketchikan's known as one of the uh, per capita top 100 uh, artist communities in the nation. And that has to do with we have more artists here uh, than you do in most other places. And one of the main contributing factors to that are the native cultures. And that, you know, it was rather boring in the wintertime before cell phones. You had to have hobbies. Uh, so, yeah, uh, carving, making jewelry, you know, you name it. Any type of art that uh, art form that's out there, uh, it's probably done or been done here in the recent past. I just want to get my terminology right. I've come from Canada where it was the First Nation community. Mm -hmm, right. Here, what, what's the right thing to say? Yeah, the Canadians do, they, they describe the natives as First Nations. We don't here. We literally call them natives, right? Okay. Uh, uh, You've got the different, uh, um, you know, groups, Clinkets, Haida, Simpsons, right? Uh, we just, I don't know why we don't call them First Nations here compared to them, but we don't. We just consider them the local native. They're indigenous peoples, right? That's the way we look at them, more of uh, from that perspective, right? I know that my boat is leaving very soon. They're calling me on board. What do you think my chances are of catching a salmon today? Well, we don't want to anger the fish gods <laughs> <laughs> by being too hopeful. But you're with Captain Pat today. He's one of the best. So if you're going to catch one, it's probably going to be on his boat. <laughs> okay. Well, it's really lovely to chat to you. I admire so much what you've done here. Oh, thank you, dear. Appreciate it. You've got a beautiful day. You guys are going to have a fantastic time. <laughs> While you're listening, why not add some travel to your inbox? Sign up for my weekly travel updates at journeystocome.com. Catch you can, catch you can. When you go to the seaside town of Ketchikan in Alaska, you will be able to catch more salmon than you know what to do with. Now, personally, I am completely jinxed when I go fishing because I, I well, the truth is, I just find it impossible to stop talking. <laughs> Drives my husband crazy. However, Pat Simmons Jr. assured me that I would have no trouble if I went out with him and we just had the best time salmon fishing in Ketchikan in Alaska and I grabbed my phone, thought we'd have a chat. Ketchikan. Pat Simmons Jr., thank you for taking me out for one of the best fishing moments of my life. What do we do there? Four salmon in about two minutes? Two or three minutes, yeah, two or three minutes. Just put the gear in the water and yeah, we had four on. Is that normal? No, that's not normal. <laughs> <laughs> What's the secret? How did how did we do that? Um, I think that was pretty much a lot of luck. Yeah. You guys must have brought the luck. That definitely, they definitely, definitely brought me. the luck. <laughs> Why though do they call this the the salmon capital of the world? Well, I think that we just uh, proved it. <laughs> yeah, we just proved that. That's why. <laughs> how do you get to be uh, a skipper? Um, a lot of work and a lot of time on the water. And so for the five months of the year that the season is on, what is that period like? Is it completely crazy? It can be, yeah. We work pretty much seven days a week. Um, that's what the goal is anyways, because 
we only have a short period of time to uh, to make the the money. So yeah, it's uh, it's full on for us seven days a week and um, taking people fishing. We love it. And how long have you been doing this for? Uh, this is my seventeenth year. What, what what keeps you here? What keeps you at it? Moments like that. Yeah, moments like that. And look at look at my office. It's beautiful. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's uh, it's just not even work to me. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's a great place to live and a great place to grow up. What was it like growing up here? Where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in logging camps and uh, of course Ketchikan too, but all over Alaska. And uh, it's a great place if you like the outdoors. It is a wonderful place to live. Does it get really, really cold? It doesn't. It doesn't get very cold. It, it gets in the 30s and stuff. We don't. We don't. We don't get that much snow either. We mm-hmm. don't. We get very little snow. A lot of rain. Lots and lots of rain. I think you. I uh, must. You guys probably heard that. 13 feet a year or something. What was it like growing up in a logging camp? I can't even imagine. Um. Yeah, it was a different world. It mm. was a different world. Yeah, you're kind of isolated. So you like um, things like mail and groceries and stuff like that was kind of an exciting thing to see an airplane come in and bring stuff to us so it was yeah you're isolated out there there's nowhere to go so what would you do for school uh we had school southeast island school district is what it, what it was called we had uh we had little classrooms a little building we probably had about i think there was eight or nine or ten of us in, in a class <laughs> pretty small and what would you do for fun um outdoor stuff of course fishing hunting uh, those are the two main things, riding four-wheelers, snowmobiles. Sounds like you had an amazing childhood. Yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And so what brought you to Ketchikan? My parents brought me here. Same, same thing, being in the log industry, and yeah, they, that's uh, that's how I got here. And after school, what did you get into? Um, flying, right out of school, right out of school. I went to uh, flight school. I think I know I took a year off. One year off, I was 19, not 20. I went to flight school, got my pilot's license, came back. And I flew commercially for about four or five years and then um, uh, got my captain's license after that and uh, enjoyed the fishing much more. Yeah. Loved it much more. So here I am. I can still see doing you, it. you've clearly made your, your passion, your profession. Tell me a little bit about the salmon. How do I define it? What are the five types? <laughs> I told you there would be a quiz at the end of the charter, right? <laughs> You're supposed to tell me, but... Thumb, chum. Chum, yep. Sockeye. Sockeye, for your pointy. The king, king. for the middle. Uh, silver, silver, for your ring finger. Yep. And, and your pinky. Pink salmon, yep. That's right. That's correct. Do you have a preference for what kind of salmon you like? I like them all. I really I really do. Um, I, I think if I was going to bake one, my favorite would probably be a king salmon. Okay, what's your recipe? Um... My favorite recipe is uh, mix a little bit of mayo with a little bit of ginger and soy sauce and put it over the top of that and, and grill it on the grill. Easy. And with a little squeeze of lime. Okay. Nice and fresh. Yeah. Nice and fresh. Nice and fresh out of the ocean, of course, because we're, we're spoiled like that. And tell me, when someone is coming to Ketchikan, what sort of things can they do? Oh, boy. There's there's an abundance of things to do. Um, kayaking, flight scene, zip line tours. Um they might have some whale watching some bear watching and of course fishing the number mm. one thing to do what do you do in the uh, in the months off do you go somewhere warm um i don't go anywhere warm i would like to i'd love to go somewhere warm but uh, no just try to find work yeah well you got an open invitation to come to australia after my morning for fish thank you yeah you're very very welcome thank you guys for coming want more travel in your day well then 
Join us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Journeys to Come and follow us. And while you're there, hey, how about you share your own travel pics and stories with the hashtag Journeys to Come. I really wanted you to meet Tina from the Yukon in Canada. This is where we first went on our recent tour that took us from Canada uh, into Alaska through the glaciers and finally up to the Arctic Circle. Tina is in charge of an outdoor adventure company called Who What Where Tours. Say that three times. And what was amazing about Tina is this is really opening up a brand new form of tourism where they call them cultural explorers. And I think really Instagram has kind of brought about this new form of travel where people are more about the image, uh, the experience, the adventure. They want new frontiers and they want to obviously photograph everything. But I think people are searching for more than Lake Louise, than, than Whistler. They want to know what else is out there and the Yukon is answering that call. Tina is a local. She's an optimist and I loved being in this woman's company. Let's have a chat. Welcome to the Yukon. I'm here with Tina Dixon who runs Whitehorse's Who, What, Where travel company. She is your go-to girl when you want to come to the Yukon. Can you describe for us, Tina, what exactly the Yukon encompasses? Uh, the Yukon encompasses wide open spaces. It is all about mountains, wilderness, interesting people, wildlife, sometimes at your doorstep. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, a lot of mystery and stories and both with our indigenous culture that is so rich here, as well as some of our more recent history with the gold rush and the Alaska highway that takes you up into, of course, um, our neighboring Alaska state. The Yukon is really having a moment right now. Why do you think that is? Tourism is doing really, really well. Well, I think um, from a, a North America side of things, it, it, Many of many of the rest of Canada hasn't even seen this place. This yeah. has been on their list. We're we're a little bit isolated. We're very similar to Australia. We have um, a lot of places to go. It takes a little bit of work, but it's worth it when you get there. And I think we're starting to be known on the map. It's starting to warm up. It's a great place to come year round and experience um, both our winter tourism with our our great northern lights and night sky and and our summer adventures with our long long daylight. So we kind of lose track of time. So what is the best time to travel here? I mean, I know that's broad, but if you did want to see those northern lights, what month would you choose? I would choose definitely the middle of September. We have our beautiful fall colors. We have our rich night sky. We have um, kind of our mountains are dusted with snow and uh, the wildlife are active and looking for that uh, winter mate. And, and you were saying don't come mm -hmm. here for a full moon? Right, and that's the other key. Um, full moon, the sky is too bright, so you can't see the, the lights. Um, and the other time is March, when things are um, crisp and, and we're, the warmth of the sun you can feel while you're out dog sledding and ice fishing and the bluebird skies every day. And so you kind of get a, a real good feel of of um, people are happy mm. the sun is out spring and um, people are active and and the lights are active as well so I have noticed you say people are happy you mentioned the uh, the characters here the locals have a, a quirky kind of humor we do because we have a lot of time over the winter to, to come up with these stories and and people people um, 
are attracted to this place um, because of of knowing um, these quirky characters you become because you've survived the winter or you're you want to do this adventure that ends up into a little bit more of experience and it's the Yukon is all about experiences so you might come with an intention and a list but you're going to leave with a whole new um, story idea that might not have been the main story. Now you're you're able to connect people to those experiences. I, I know that for me, I've just arrived, and it can be almost overwhelming. How how do I take it all in? Where would I start? Well, first of all, I'd fly into Whitehorse. That's our that's our main area, and it's and that's our your transportation, your hub stop to resupply, meet your outfitters, your operators, your and and leave from there to go experience the Yukon, uh, whether it be hiking, paddling, or uh, fishing, or doing a whole lot array of activities. And then you you would come back to Whitehorse to regroup and maybe um, head off someplace else. So definitely Whitehorse is is the main hub, and then you you will find some things and places to go, if especially if you're talking with the locals and and do a, a whole array of activities as much as you can uh, while you're here. It's easy. Best place to go canoeing? Well, the iconic Yukon River. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to have a ton of experience, but that will get you into our... uh, It's historical. It is wilderness. It is meeting quirky people along the way. You get to paddle through some of our smaller villages and communities and then end up in Dawson, which is, of course, where the gold rush happened. So uh-huh. uh, that you have a destination. It just takes a little, little bit to get there. And tell me the best place to go hiking. I would say there's two um, iconic places. Kalani National Park. Um, it's There is um, defined trails at various levels with a little bit of support. Um, or going into the Tombstone Mountain Range up near Dawson. So each place that you go has some different sort of hiking for all different abilities. Would you say this is a great place for families? Definitely families, um, both summer and winter. It's it's a natural playground. It's a safe playground. It is, uh, it, it's like Disneyland in the north. And we, um, we think that uh, families who have never, ever experienced just quietness away from screens away unplugged the mm. Yukon is unplugged you're gonna go places where you might not have Wi-Fi or cell service but you'll have some sort of other communications what kind of wildlife will you see uh, well wild people and wildlife <laughs> um, you will see moose you will see bears you of course in the winter you might see the odd little fox um, you know our, more of our fur-bearing animals like lynx wolverine and in the mountains, as you're in the summertime cruising along, um, you might see some doll sheep, some mountain goats. So, yeah, they're, they're everywhere. It's just if you're looking at the right time. I know that you're born and bred. What do you love about living here? Um, the lack of rules. We're, we like big, wide spaces and, and to kind of... It's a land of opportunity to explore to raise a family it's a healthy place to live you gotta love the outdoors and um, it's just a really really great backyard so for anyone thinking about visiting the Yukon what would you say we're, we're here we're small we're, we we have so many places and um, it is something that you will probably come back you once you visit it once you will want to come back again you'll be planning your next trip even before you leave our airport.
Thank you, Tina. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Journeys to Come. If you want any more information on the places that we visited, all the people we spoke to, then visit our website, journeystocome.com, for full details. <laughs>